championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com, your home for everything Lakers. This is the LakersNation.com live off-season show. That's right. It is Friday, but I'm going to talk about that in just a minute, exactly why we're going live on a Friday. Slight date change that we're going to have for the next few weeks, but a lot to talk about today. The Lakers made a trade. Marcus Gasol shipped out, sent to the Memphis Grizzlies, no longer a Laker. We're going to talk about what that means, how the deal went down, why it's structured the way it is. We'll talk a little bit about the open roster spot as well that is now created. That's right, another open roster spot. That means there is another move coming, so we'll break that down. Plus, we'll talk about the rotation, what's going to happen from here in terms of the starting lineup with no Marcus Gasol. A lot to dive into tonight, so if you're coming in from YouTube, from Facebook, from Periscope, Welcome in, and of course, if you're listening to the podcast version of this, make sure you do subscribe, follow us on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. I'm already seeing the questions coming in uh, from YouTube. Looks like I'm seeing some from Twitter as well. I always say Periscope, but it's Twitter now. Uh, And from Facebook, oh, and somebody said NBA front office is fired. Thank you. Really appreciate it that uh, that you guys would, would uh, give us those kind words. Keith and I have been working really hard on the NBA front office show. And if you saw earlier today, Keith and I did a live stream for the NBA front office show to celebrate 10,000 subscribers over on YouTube, which is phenomenal. We are so thrilled, especially given that we just started up that channel. But tonight, tonight we're talking Lakers. And again, normally we don't do Friday night shows, but here's the thing. There's a little something that's come back called the NFL, and we haven't run into this before, where we've had the NBA offseason going on at the same time as the NFL. And so with the big game happening last night between the Cowboys and the Buccaneers, we decided that we would slide back one day, and for the next few weeks, until the preseason starts, and that's when the show converts back into a post-game show. So for the next few weeks, we're going to go Tuesdays and Fridays so as not to conflict with the football games that are on because I know a lot of people are going to be watching those and I didn't want to take away from that and frankly I want to watch them too I'm excited to see this new NFL season so we're going to go Tuesdays and Friday nights for the next few weeks but again we are almost there training camp just a few weeks away and then October 3rd is the per- first preseason game and as of that point we will move forward as a post game show where after every single game as soon as the game ends you come over here and we talk about everything we break down the entire game we talk about what the everything that uh, happened means moving forward all of that tons of stuff to dive into so that's what we're going to be doing and that's why we are going tonight uh somebody said tampa bay cheated last night (laughs) that was an offensive pass interference look i hey i thought it was a pass interference as well but again at the same time you know the way sports are you can't leave brady with that much time on the clock and then of course I believe that was Diggs that had the opportunity to get the interception. I could be wrong as far as who it was. I saw it out of the corner of my eye, but I, that interception, he had it. It was just off his fingertips, a fraction of an inch, and that thing is intercepted, and the game goes the other way. But it's, sports are funny that way. When you almost make a play that would have changed the outcome of the game, it's usually unforgiving, where usually you go on to lose that game. It's just kind of the way it goes. And I think we all kind of knew what was going to happen from there. And by the way, let me say, football is the one sport where – I don't really have any kind of particular allegiance to any any team, and I've kind of tried to keep it that way because I can just watch the games and enjoy it for what it is. Baseball, basketball, everything else, I've got a rooting interest. But football, I don't, and so I, that's the way I approach that. All right, 
So let's talk a little bit about this Marcus All trade. So the Lakers, they trade Marcus All back to the Memphis Grizzlies. It's I mean, look, if you like irony, Marcus All finishes his season or his career, I mean, most likely with the same thing that started it. A trade from the Lakers to the Memphis Grizzlies. Remember, Marcus All was traded from the Grizzlies, uh, I'm sorry, from the Lakers to the Grizzlies in the deal that sent Pau Gasol to the Lakers way back in the day. And now here the Lakers are trading Mark back to the Grizzlies. They will waive him. He is staying in Spain. That means it's probably it. This is probably nothing official, but this is probably the end of Marcus Gasol's career in the NBA. And what a career it was. Defensive player of the year, multi-time all-star, NBA champion, fantastic career for Marcus Gasol. If this is indeed it for him, the Lakers did have to attach a second round pick. That's a 2024 second rounder. We don't know which one it is just yet, but a 2024 second rounder plus cash to Marcus Gasol. They send it to Memphis in exchange for the rights to Wong Zeeland. He's not going to play for the Lakers. I know I've had people asking me, oh, you know, what's he going to do? Is he going to help the Lakers? Is he going to going to help in the middle or anything like that? He's not going to play for the Lakers. He's not. It's just his draft rights. It's only, it's something just because the NBA says it has to be something. The, the Grizzlies have to send something to the Lakers. It's just his draft rights. He's playing in China. He's not leaving China. He was drafted in 2016 as a second rounder. He's not coming over. Okay, so don't don't look at this as Marcus All was traded for a guy that the Lakers are going to bring over and they're going to play him and, and all this and they're going to sign him. And no, that's not what's happening here. The Lakers, what they've done is they've saved, number one, a lot of money. They're a luxury tax team. And so because they're so far over the luxury tax, this actually saves them about nine to $10 million. Yeah, Marcus All's salary was not that high, but because you had this luxury tax multiplier on there, it actually saves them a lot of money. Now, at the end of the day, they're not going to save quite that much. That's what they're saving as of this moment, but this also chops off one guaranteed contract, which means right now they only have 13 players under contract. League rules say you have to have at least 14. So they have to sign somebody. So that means that even though they clear Marcus All's salary off the books, they're going to have to sign somebody else into one of those spots. So they're not going to save quite that much. They're probably going to wind up saving about four or five million, somewhere in there, plus open up a roster spot. So let the speculation begin. Who are they going to sign? And again, they must sign someone. Someone has to get that spot. Even if you're just going to stick with a guy that you already have in your system, like a Chandi Brown, Austin Reeves, somebody like that, if you want to take one of those guys and give them the roster spot, fine, but you have to give them a full-time contract to do that. Have to have 14 players under contract, so the Lakers are going to sign somebody. Kyle Roberts chimes in with the super chat. Thank you. Remember, guys, if you want to get your question read, you want to guarantee it's going to get read, send it in a super chat. That's the way to know that for sure your question is going to get read as long as it's not something ridiculous. But Kyle Roberts says, kind of obvious. We're getting Ennis, don't you think? That's exactly the skill set we need. So it just makes sense. You know, I, I agree, Kyle. I think Ennis makes the most sense. And I think to me, in my mind, if I'm the Lakers and I'm looking at the scenario as Marcus All wasn't going to play anyway, it cost me a second round pick and some cash, but I can actually save probably about $4 million on Marcus Gasol's deal and get James Ennis. So Marcus Gasol, is that worth giving up a second round pick and a little bit of cash? Yeah, probably. I think so. 
And James Ennis, if you guys have seen on social media, he's been going around liking every post that connects him to the Lakers in some way. It's very clear that he would like to be a Laker. And I also think in terms of skill set, he's a perfect fit for what the Lakers need right now. If you look at their roster, I think they need more wings. They need another wing player and James Ennis fits that very, very well. Shot over 40% from three. I wouldn't assume that's going to happen next season as well. That could be a bit of an outlier, but regardless, he's a good three-point shooter. Even if he's only, you know, 37, 38%, or if he shoots as well as he did last season when he was like 43%. Obviously, it's a different tier of shooter. If he shoots 43%, just saying that might not be sustainable, but he's also 6'6", 6'11", wingspan. So you like that? He's not a lockdown defender by any means, but at least has the physical profile to match up with some of the higher scoring wings in the NBA. And he does give you the floor spacing with that shooting. So I think he's a great fit for the Lakers, great fit for what they need right now, but he is not the only option out there. There's other guys. It's possible the Lakers say, you know what? We need more of a 4-5 combo guy. There's some other centers out there. Isaiah Hardenstein's out there. DeMarcus Cousins, if they decide we really need a center. There's a lot of guys that are still out there on the market, and it's also possible that the Lakers might just say, you know what, training camp guys, here's a spot. We have one spot open, and one of you just might get it if you impress us. They can use it as that carrot in training camp for guys like Johnny Brown, like Austin Reeves, like Mac McClung, who's on an Exhibit 10 deal, uh, like Joel Ayayi. All these types of players, they can use that as potential incentive during training camp. I don't think they're going to go that route. I think ultimately they're going to sign somebody. And again, if I had to bet, I would put my money on James Ennis. But there are some other guys out there as well that might make some sense for the Lakers. I'm seeing people here in the chat mentioning um, mentioning Wesley Matthews. Yeah, that's that's another guy that maybe they could turn to. Go right back to Wesley Matthews, veteran who's been in their system before. So there's a lot of guys out there who they could still go to. Uh, Ronnie Navia from Facebook said, Hey Trevor, what about Lance Stevenson? Vogel's the only coach to bring the best out of him. Keep up the content fire. Well, thank you. I will indeed keep up the content, but uh, Lance Stevenson, I don't see it. And I like Lance. Lance is so much fun. The three guitar and all that, but yes, the Lakers need a wing. But for me, if it's, if you've got Lance Stevenson out there and you've got James Ennis, I'm going James Ennis. But that's that's just it, to me. It's an obvious choice to go with James Ennis over Lance Stevenson, and uh, and I don't think it's particularly that close. So, if that's the decision that they are going to go for a wing, I think James Ennis. He's very very clearly right now at the top of the list. I'm not saying he's like an all star or he's even a starter or anything like that. Just the the pool is very very dry at this point because we're so late in the free agency period. But I think he's the top of the list in terms of wings. Uh, Michael Brown, what's the difference between Andre Drummond and DeAndre Jordan? Aren't they one and the same? What? You mean like we've never seen them in the same place at the same time, like Clark Kent and Superman or or something like that? Um, Skill set-wise, similar. Um, Look, at his best, and I, I think we can argue whether or not this is still the case, but DeAndre Jordan... The difference is DeAndre Jordan is a lob threat. Andre Drummond, you saw there was it was a little bit off the chemistry between Drummond and LeBron James, and he's just not that great finishing. He's not the vertical threat that Drummond or that uh, Jordan is, or that certainly Dwight Howard is. The Lakers missed that. They missed that vertical threat in the pick and roll situation. Somebody that's going to roll hard to the basket. That's not really Drummond's game. And then defensively, Drummond he put in some effort in terms of blocking shots. But when they're at their best, Dwight Howard and DeAndre Jordan are a different caliber of shot blocker. Now, again, you could definitely make the argument that 
DeAndre Jordan is not that guy anymore, that he wasn't that guy last season anymore, that age has gotten the best of him. Fully understand. And if you're and if we're living in that world, then I think you can make an argument that Andre Drummond was the better choice or would have been the better choice. But I think mentality also plays into this. Which guy is going to be more willing to sit on the bench when the matchup requires it, not complain, not care about any of that kind of stuff, and put aside all of their personal ambition in return for a title shot, right? All for the good of the team, doing whatever it's going to take, playing whatever role the team needs you to play in order to win a championship. To me, that's DeAndre Jordan. He knows no matter what he does, his next contract, if he gets another NBA contract, it's a veteran minimum, no matter what he does. Drummond still has the notion of getting a much better contract. And we saw what happens last season. We saw this with Dennis Schroeder. We saw it with Drummond. We saw it maybe even a little bit. You could argue with Montrezl Harrell. We saw what happened when you have guys who are worried about their next contract and then they lose minutes. They're not happy because they've got so much money on the line. The Lakers now have a lot of guys who, yeah, they're out of contract in a year. Like Carmelo Anthony's on a one-year deal. But Carmelo Anthony knows no matter what he does, he's getting a better minimum next year. That's not going to change if he decides to play another year, right? That's not going to change. Whereas guys like Dennis Schroeder, guys like Trez, guys like Drummond, they're gunning for the big bucks. So that, I think the mentality, that's part of the difference as well. And I think that's got to have some appeal to the Lakers because remember, they had two of these guys. They had JaVale McGee and they had Dwight Howard. Both guys, totally selfless, didn't care if they were in the game. If they're in the game, great. They're going to give you everything they've got. Within their skill set, they're going to focus on blocking shots, on rebounding, on setting screens, rolling hard to the basket. They're going to do those things and those things only. And when they're not in the game, they're going to be the best cheerleaders ever on the sidelines. That was the magic that we saw with Dwight and JaVale not even a year ago when the Lakers won a championship. It's unreal. It hasn't even been a year. But that's what we saw from those guys. And I think that's what the Lakers are trying to recreate. I'm not saying that I believe DeAndre Jordan is a perfect fit and he's this, the the solution to all the Lakers' problems or anything like that. I will say, though, that when they found out, and I assume the Lakers knew for a little bit now, that Marcus Gasol was not coming back, it makes the acquisition of DeAndre Jordan make a lot more sense. Okay? And you can make an argument that in terms of team chemistry, Jordan is going to be better than Drummond. I think in terms of what they bring on the floor, 27-year-old Drummond better than DeAndre Jordan, right? And I don't think there's even much of an argument there. But in terms of team chemistry, in terms of fitting into a very specific role, I can understand why the Lakers would go DeAndre Jordan. Uh, Somebody asked, do you think the Lakers can sign Kevin Love? Okay, so I got that question a ton today. And, And shockingly, I've been surprised by how many people have been asking this. As soon as it got out, that, hey, the Lakers have another roster spot. Remember, technically, they've got two. They've got two roster spots. They have 13 under contract. You can go to 15. Um, They're not going to use the 15th. They're not. Uh, The difference in using the 15th now versus waiting until the buyout market, it's it's probably going to be about $10 million, right? Because you'd sign someone now, you'd pay the player for the entire season, you'd waive them and then sign somebody on the buyout market, pay that player too, plus incur the luxury taxes. It gets really expensive for a, a guy that's probably not going to play very much anyway, sitting on the end of the bench. So the Lakers are going to leave that 15th roster spot open and then they'll sign somebody in the buyout market midway through the year, okay? It makes a ton of financial sense. 
no problem with it. It's a lot of money that they actually saved by doing this. But as soon as it got out that the Lakers have now one roster spot they have to fill because they've got to get to 14, a lot of people start asking about Kevin Love. Now, here's the thing about Kevin Love. If he was a free agent, I would say yes. Yeah, Kevin Love is probably going to the Lakers. It makes a lot of sense, right? LA guy, went to UCLA, played with Russell Westbrook. I mean, there's, there's just connections there. Play, has played with LeBron James. It would make sense, okay? But he's not. He's not a free agent. Now, we heard that he was working on a buyout with the Cleveland Cavaliers, but the Cavs quickly came out and said, oh, no, 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 we're not buying him out. And then Kevin Love quickly came out and said, no, 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 I'm not doing a buyout. They're negotiating, right? That's that's what's happening. And remember, Kevin Love is owed over $60 million over the next two seasons. So most likely, the two sides are really far apart in terms of how much money he's expected to give back. When it's Rajon Rondo and he's making like $7.5 million, there's not there's not a lot of room there. You know what I mean? Like if the, the Grizzlies are wanting him to give back three million and he says, well, no, I'll only give back two. And then they meet in the middle at 2.5 or 2.6 or whatever he gave back. Fine. Right. But when it's a $60 million deal that that's left out there, there's a lot more room for there to be a big gap between the two sides. And so I think that's where we're at right now. Again, if Kevin Love was a free agent, I'd say, sure. The Lakers would probably bring him in, but he's not. So until that happens, we can wait. Uh, somebody asked, Trevor, are you going to change the intro when we win the championship? Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's when, and credit do, uh, to credit the correct person, Anthony for Lakers Nation actually made that intro. I did not make that. I don't have that kind of editing skill, but, uh, but he made that. I'm sure he will make a new one. He's actually working on a few things, which I don't want to reveal too much, but he's working on some stuff that's going to make things look even better. But, um, yeah, I'm sure if they win the championship, they get number 18, that will of course change. Uh, Bhavan Patel from Facebook said, we aren't going to carry more than two centers. All right, so let's talk about that because I think the departure of Marcus Gasol might actually change the way that we're looking at the Lakers roster, okay? Let's say, let's go down this path, and I think this is, it's the most likely outcome. I won't say it's like probable to happen, but I'll say the highest probability in my mind is that the Lakers sign James Ennis. But there's a lot of other options out there. So I won't even say it's like 60% chance they sign him. There's tons of, of options, right? But let's say the Lakers sign James Ennis, let's, Avery Bradley. Let's say they sign a non-center, okay? Let's go, let's go down that path. And so now your true centers on the roster are Dwight Howard and DeAndre Jordan. Will one of them start? I don't know. Is either one really a starter right now in the NBA? I think one of them could be a starter nominally where they come in and start and play just five minutes or something like that, and then you sub them out. Or or do we live in a world where the Lakers decide, you know what, there's no Marcus Gasol. We need floor spacing because that's the challenge, right? If you start drum, you start Jordan, you start Dwight, and you've got Russell Westbrook on the floor, that's two guys that defenses don't respect behind the arc. And I know Russell Westbrook had that workout video the other day where he hit 11 threes in a row. A lot of NBA players hit threes, though, when nobody's guarding them. Uh, if you saw Dwight Howard had a workout video the other day, too, where he was hitting threes. That's part, that's a normal part of his workout routine, by the way, guys. He can hit threes in practice with no one guarding him. It changes a lot when you've got defense out there. 
although he did hit a few threes for the Lakers a couple seasons ago. But in any event, there's nobody, there's two guys in the starting five, right, that nobody on the other team is going to defend behind the arc. And so I do worry about that spacing-wise on the offensive end. So if that's something that wins out, then the departure of Marcus Saul means you no longer have a true center that you can put in there next to Anthony Davis that can space the floor. You don't have that anymore. So does that mean that AD now slides into the starting five job? That's something that we could be looking at now. And again, I think this is all stuff that's going to play out during training camp. I think come playoff time, when it's winning time, Anthony Davis will be the center. I think that's what we're going to see. It's what we've seen historically. But are we going to see that more in the regular season? And I think it's fair to ask, is it worth it? Is it worth it to have Anthony Davis log those minutes at center, bear that burden, deal with the physical pounding of playing the center position so you can have better floor spacing in the regular season? It's an interesting question, I think, for the Lakers to try to navigate here. And I can't wait to see what the answer is. And if they decide, hey, you know what, we're just we're going to figure out a way, we're going to deal with the spacing limitations, and we're going to roll with either Dwight or Jordan, I'm really curious to see which one wins, which one gets the starting job. Dwight's been great for the Lakers, but he also fouls like at an insane rate. Like if he's playing 22 minutes a game, he's probably fouling out, right? Or coming really close to it. So I'm really curious to see which direction the Lakers go there and if they wind up just using AD at the five and just starting him there and rolling with that. And if you do that, think about all the possibilities that gets opened up, right? We've talked about the Lakers starting rotation. We've been looking at who's the five and who's the two. Well, if AD is the five, the next question becomes, okay, who's the two and who's the three now, right? Because LeBron would probably be the four. Westbrook would be the one. AD's at the five. Now you're looking at the two and the three. Does that then put, say, like a Trevor Ariza into the starting lineup along with like Kent Bazemore, Wayne Ellington, the guys that we've been looking at at the two situation? Or do we see maybe even Kendrick Nunn get out there in a two-guard set with Russell Westbrook and then, say, an Ariza or Bazemore at the three, and you go a lot smaller? So many different ways for Frank Vogel and the Lakers coaching staff to go with this, particularly if AD's at the five. If he's not, if he's at the four, then you know it's going to be either Jordan or Dwight Howard at the five unless they do sign somebody else that, that wins that starting job. And then the question mark is shooting guard. You gotta love the offseason, right? That we've got all these different possibilities just for the Lakers starting lineup. Let's see what else you guys have here for us. Uh Joel M from YouTube. Hey Trevor, who's gonna be that piece that fills in for Marcus Saul? Again, I'm leaning James Ennis because it just feels like it makes the most sense for the Lakers right now but they don't always do what we would think would make sense, right? I know a lot of Lakers fans didn't want them to sign DeAndre Jordan, and yet they did that. The Lakers are also the team that is so difficult to peg, like what they're going to do on draft night. So predicting what the Lakers are going to do is, is never easy, right? We can look at what they've done historically, but then at the same time, Rob Palenka, so far, every time he's had the opportunity to erase the chalkboard and start over, That's what he's done. Think about this. I mentioned this earlier today on our NBA front office show. The Lakers from last season, the only players remaining now, now that Gasol's gone, it's LeBron, AD, Taylor Horton Tucker. That's it. Everyone else is gone. 
everyone. Wow, right? We thought the Lakers had a lot of turnover the season before. They won a championship, and we saw them bringing in Schroeder and Trez and Gasol and losing JaVale and Dwight and Ronda, right? Bringing in all these other other pieces, and it was like six players were turned over, something like that. And we were all talking about how much turnover that was and might that mess with chemistry. And now, Rob Polinka, he doubled down. He didn't say, well, that messed with chemistry too much. I better back off and just kind of run it back from last season. No, he shipped out everybody. Everybody is gone, aside from three players. We'll see. We'll see how it all plays out. But the Lakers very clearly have shown they're willing to take risks. They're willing to take chances here with their roster. And so predicting what they're going to do, it makes sense for them to go after James Ennis. But the Lakers have shown they're willing to be unconventional. So who knows exactly what they're going to do with that spot. Somebody said uh, in the chat, AD was at the the Dodger game. Yeah, that's probably a good good place for him. Big game for the Dodgers tonight, by the way. Uh, Somebody from... Periscope over on Twitter said, but they brought back Dwight and Rondo. And that, I think, was really key. If you're going to have that much turnover, you need to bring back some of those voices from the championship team. And so, like, what, Rondo and Dwight, they were they were gone for less than a year. Less than a calendar year they were gone for. So while you only have three players from the previous season that are back, you've got guys who have been part of the organization before and have won with the organization and really weren't gone that long. So that's kind of the saving grace here when we talk about how massive the turnover is with the Lakers roster. And Leroy Long, who would be your choice for the last roster spot? James Ennis. It's James Ennis. When, again, I've, I've been looking at this Lakers roster since we the final pieces got added, and I've been saying for weeks now, they need another wing. They need... I don't feel good going into the season with LeBron and Trevor Ariza being the only guys who can really guard on the wing. Maybe THT becomes a guy who can do that. Maybe Kent Bazemore can guard some of the threes. But I'm looking for a guy with a little bit more size where he can deal with those three slash fours. The guys who will float between the positions. I'm talking about like a Jimmy Butler, Paul George, uh, Kawhi Leonard, if he was healthy, players like that. And again, I'm not saying that James Ennis would stop those guys. That's not what he is. But just physically, his physical makeup is better suited to deal with those types of players than if you asked one of the guards to try to defend up. Remember how often we saw KCP being asked to defend players much bigger than him because the Lakers just didn't have enough wing depth. James Ennis would would fit in that way. So he's the guy that I would go with. And people mentioning Wesley Matthews. I would go with James Ennis over Wes Matthews um, because of the size and because he actually shot really well last season. Wes Matthews did not. Uh, Somebody said, will you start Mello? No, I would not. And that's not me saying I don't like Mello. I like Mello a lot, but I think he is now the quintessential bench scorer. He's the guy you bring in, say LeBron James comes out, you put in Mello because you know when the going gets tough, the offense breaks down. You can give him the ball and he can, he can get you a bucket. He can do that. He can get you a bucket 10 years from now. 
right? He's always going to be able to do that. And so that's why I want him part of the bench unit. I think defensively, he would get exploited in the offensive unit as well, particularly going up against starters. So I've got a concern there, but I think his offensive skill set just fits so well with the bench unit. So again, I'm not down on Melo. I'm not saying he's not a quality player. You should put him onto the bench. No, I think you use him as a weapon on the second unit. I think it's more important that you've got his scoring ability there than you have him in the starting five. Having Mello off the bench, Jonathan Nelson says, having Mello off the bench is a serious luxury. Agreed. Agreed. And I've been cautioning everybody. I've been saying that not every player is going to work out. I know during the offseason, we tend to have that, that mentality. And that's not just Lakers fans. That's not just us. That's not just the Lakers nation. That's everybody. It's all fans around the NBA. Optimism reigns, right? We look every player, every signing is going to work perfectly. And that's just not true. It's just not. So some of these guys aren't going to pan out, but realistically, not everybody can be in the rotation. Okay. The Lakers though, do have a lot of veterans who have proven a lot in the NBA. Again, some might not make it as part of the rotation, but they've got a lot of guys who I think they can count on. They have more guys they can count on than they have minutes to play, which is a great problem. That It's a problem, but it's a great problem for Frank Vogel to have. Uh, Lara Monolod from uh, YouTube with a super chat. Thank you, Trevor. Which team do you think is better? The bubble Lakers, last year's Lakers, if they're healthy, or this year's AARP Lakers. That's not really what we're calling them, is it? Come on, that's what Lakers haters call them, the AARP squad. I can't call them that. Um, But which team do I think is better? So the bubble Lakers, I think, had the best chemistry. The, The bubble Lakers may have the best chemistry of any team we've seen in recent history. Their chemistry was tremendous. Think about everything they they went through as a group. So, um, I'm going to go with that group simply because of the chemistry. Talent-wise, I think this year's group has the most talent. It's ironic, but the team that won it all had, I believe, the least talent. Last year's team had the second most talent. This year's team, I think, has the most talent. This year, you're hoping to get a combo of talent and chemistry and put those two things together. I think the bubble team had the best chemistry we've seen, and that's what allowed them to be so effective and win, even if their overall talent level wasn't quite as high as last year's squad, which suffered a ton of injuries, and I think that was a big factor in their ultimate demise. So that's how I would rank things uh, as far as which team is better. The bubble Lakers have got to be the top of the list because they won a championship and because we saw them execute on the floor, even if their top-end talent on paper wasn't quite as good. That's why we play the game. Sometimes the way things look on paper isn't the way things work in real life. Uh, Akuta Bavadas from YouTube, the Super Chat. Thank you. Hey, Trevor, glad to be tuning in again as the regular season approaches. Well, we're happy to have you. My question, do you think Vogel can elevate the defense to a top five squad? If he can, the, this Lakers team is going to be good. Going to be not even good. That's not enough. They're going to be great if he can still get a top five defense. That is the one area where we can say the Lakers probably took a step back, right? When we look at this roster, and again, on paper, okay, they took a step back defensively. You look at some of the guys that they lost. KCP, one of the best pursuit guys out there in terms of chasing guys around screens. Alex Caruso, one of the best defensive guards in the NBA period. You lost some good defenders. You brought in, like Dwight's a good defender. You brought him in. Maybe DeAndre Jordan, you can salvage something there. But you brought in some guys who are, because of age, not nearly what they used to be defensively. And a guy like Rondo, 
Uh, Ariza, not as good as he used to be defensively. I think he can still be good in spurts, though. Carmelo Anthony's never been a great defender, and now I think he's even worse at 37 years old. You certainly suffered on the defensive end of the floor. So if Frank Vogel can get a top five defense out of this team, they will be great. Um, It will also tell us that Frank Vogel is a wizard on defense. We already saw a glimpse of it too, right? When LeBron and AD went down last season, the Lakers stayed stuck as one of the top defenses in the NBA. And that is really, really impressive. So if Frank Vogel is just such a good defensive coach that he can keep this team even top five on the defensive end of the floor, they are going to be in great shape because they don't have the same defensive personnel they did last year. And certainly Russell Westbrook fits into that equation as well. Uh, Mark, Mark from YouTube says in all caps. So I know he's serious. Uh, Trevor, why do you smile a lot now compared to when after the Lakers traded for Russell Westbrook? I just noted that noticed that no offense meant. Why do I smile now? Um, I don't know if you're suggesting that maybe I wasn't a fan of the Westbrook trade. So when the Westbrook trade first went down and I was first reporting on that, my, the gears were turning and I'm trying to process everything that that means, what it meant for the Buddy Heald deal at the time, what it meant for the Lakers rotation, what it means for their cap. And so there's just a lot going on in there. And it's hard to really pull away from all of that and just get excited about the moment and enjoy the moment because I'm trying to make sure that I'm bringing you guys all the, the analysis of it, right? So I'm really focused on that. So that's where maybe I don't smile as much. Whereas right now, like at this moment, I'm getting excited because I know NBA basketball is right around the corner. I know we're almost there and I can't wait. Like I'm really missing basketball at this point. I know you guys are too. And it's so close. And so that's part of the reason why I'm getting excited there. There was just a lot to break down. Um, shout out from Manila, Philipp- Philippines. Thank you. Appreciate it. Always love seeing international fans come in. But I guess that that's why. Um, I did have some reservations about the Westbrook trade when it first went down. And that's not to say I thought it was a bad move at any point. I thought it was a gamble. But the more I've processed it, and the more I've taken a look at what this could be and looked at the Lakers situation. And it took me thinking a little bit as... A historian as well. That's actually, for you guys who don't know this, but I was a, a history teacher. My degree is in history. And so usually what I'll do is I'll analyze things in the moment, but I'll then also look back historically and I'll think about how, how things fit into context. And that's how I help. It helps me predict what's coming, right? Can't know what lays ahead if you don't know what was in the past, right? So Looking historically at what the Lakers have been trying to do for a few years now, it's been to create a big three. That's been their plan. From before LeBron even arrived, their plan has been a big three. And it's been foiled year after year after year, right? First, it was Paul George, didn't come. The Lakers were going to have Paul George and LeBron and still the assets to go trade for Anthony Davis. That didn't work out. Next thing you know, you trade those assets, you get AD, then okay, it's going to be Kawhi. He says no. Um... And now they had the opportunity to get another superstar. And we can argue that Westbrook is or isn't as effective as he used to be. But they had the chance to get a superstar and they finally did it. They finally succeeded in getting that third star. And that's been their goal for years now. So when I look at it in that context, I feel even better about the trade. Because I know this has been the direction they've wanted to go in all along. Three stars preserve LeBron, not make him do all the heavy lifting. And look, they 
they won a championship with him doing the heavy lifting. But he also got hurt last season. He got hurt his first season with the Lakers, having to do a lot of the heavy lifting. So now we're finally seeing the original vision for this team come true. And so that's got me excited as well. And yes, I've got concerns about Westbrook's defense. I've got concerns about his three-point shooting. But I think those are things that you can mitigate. I think this is a worthwhile endeavor for the Lakers. And like Frank Vogel said the other day, he's excited about all the people that are counting them out. All the people that are saying Westbrook will never fit. They're too old. And I'm wondering how much does that narrative take hold within this locker room? How much is there an us versus everybody else mentality? And again, they're, they're projected to be the team to come out of the West. So I don't want to make them sound like they're this massive underdog or anything, but how much are they able to take it personally and really come together as a group? A lot of people are questioning whether or not they can do it and saying they can't. And so that's got me excited too. So if there is a little bit of, of an extra smile on my face, I think it's because of all of those things combined. Because as I've made peace with the Westbrook move, as I've been able to look at it from a number of different angles, I've gotten more and more excited about it. And particularly when I put it into a historical context of this is the direction they've always wanted to go. And we're finally getting to see the team that Rob Palenka has been trying to put together for years now. So that is a long-winded way of saying I'm excited about this coming season. So maybe that's why you see me smiling a bit more now than when everything was chaotic and I was breaking it all down. Uh, Jeremy Slade from YouTube said, I'm so happy Dwight is back. He brings a lot of good stuff to the Lakers, even at this stage of his career. Dwight is my favorite. Dwight, in, in the sports world, I think Dwight is my favorite thing that I've been wrong about. And I love it. I, I love it. Like, when the Lakers were figuring out, they were going to, okay, so Boogie Cousins gets hurt. They're looking at all these different centers. There were a few different guys they looked at. Um, they looked at uh, Dwight being one of them. Marcin Gortat was another one. Joakim Noah was another. There were a few guys out there. And I was on record saying, not Dwight. And the reason why, I said, look, he is the highest ceiling of any of these guys, but he's coming off an injury, and I don't know if he can make the leap. And by the leap, I mean the leap back to being a role player. We don't know if Dwight had that in him to just be a role player. And so I had concern there that that was going to be a problem with the team's chemistry. And I'm so happy to say I was, I was wrong on Dwight completely because not only did he make that leap backwards to be a role player, but he did it better than I would have ever imagined better than I could have ever hoped. He was great on that team in terms of just fitting whatever role that they needed him to. So I'm excited that he's back as well. And again, I, I love that I was wrong on that one. Somebody said, I was saying they should get Noah. Yeah, I think I probably said the same thing. I, I said something like they should. Oh, somebody said Kenneth Farid as well. Yeah, Kenneth Farid was another one. I think I said that I would take Noah over Dwight. Because again, at the time, Dwight was coming off of an injury. And I didn't know if he could make the transition to be a role player. It's a really hard thing to do. That's why Carmelo Anthony was out of the NBA for a while because teams didn't know if he would be okay with being a role player, if he could really do that. It's not easy. It's a hard transition. And all the credit in the world to Dwight Howard for making that transition. I didn't know if he could do it, but he sure did.
Uh, let's see. Let me get into a few more of your questions and comments. Uh, D Rhythm from Twitter said Lakers three point shooting percentage this season will be top 20, 15, 10 in the league, ranked 21st last season. Yeah, so when this is off the top of my head, so I ran the numbers right after the Lakers made these trades or made these acquisitions. So they brought in Mello and Nunn and Ellington and, and all these guys, right? All these guys who can shoot. Basically, aside from Westbrook, everybody they brought in, and of course, you know, Dwight and DeAndre Jordan. Everybody they brought in, you have to defend behind the three-point line. Okay, You have to at least honor that they're out there. You have to respect them. You can't just leave them. And so I ran the numbers, and they basically got from... If if everybody shoots the same percentage that they did last season, and I weighted it for volume as well, they would have moved from 21st to 15th in three-point percentage if everybody shot the same as they did last season. So, and I know that doesn't sound like much, but that actually is a really big difference. And then if you were to just take, if you were to take out their poor three-point shooters, so take out Westbrook, AD, THT, if you took out those three percentages, because AD did not shoot well from three last season, if those guys just stopped shooting threes, the Lakers three-point percentage as a team would have vaulted all the way up to second best in the NBA. That's how good the shooting is that they brought in. The problem is you've got these three guys in THT, AD, and Westbrook that are anchors that are just holding you down because they shoot high volume from three, at least in Westbrook's case, and they shoot a very low percentage that drops the team average down. But again, what if THT's goes up? What if Westbrook shoots 35% from three instead of 33% on the number of attempts he takes? That actually makes a difference. So this team could and should be a much better three point shooting team than last season. And the potential is there, I think for them to be in the top 10 next season. We'll see them. I don't want to say that that's going to happen because we also know there's this weird thing where as soon as somebody puts on a Lakers jersey, their three-point percentage goes down by like 5%. High Reggie Bullock, right? Like that, I don't know why, but it just, it tends to happen. So until we see it, I'm going to be cautiously optimistic that this team will be much better next season shooting threes. Somebody said THT will show off what he's capable of. Yep, agreed. I think he will. I think he's been working out a lot this offseason, and I'm hoping, hoping that uh, that jumper comes around. Uh, Mark Mark responding to my my rant about why I'm smiling more now. Trevor, I feel you. I was surprised with the Westbrook trade. I think no one else saw it coming besides Braun, AD, Rob. Rob pulled out his tricks again. Yeah, that was definitely. And if you guys saw over on my Instagram page, uh, it's at Trevor Lane NBA. I actually posted the video clip of Ron Gutterman and myself. We were in the middle of recording a video about what Buddy Heald was going to bring to the Lakers. Because if you remember, everything was pointing towards Buddy Heald getting to the Lakers getting done. In fact, the players thought, Kyle Kuzma just mentioned it the other day. He thought he was going to Sacramento. Like that was done. And then it wasn't. And then suddenly it was Westbrook instead because Russ went to the Wizards and said, hey, I I want to stay here unless I can be a Laker. If I can be a Laker and you guys can accommodate that, I, I wouldn't mind it. And so the Wizards then at the last minute reopened negotiations with the Lakers and the deal got done. But I actually posted a video to my Instagram 
uh, again, at Trevor Lane NBA of myself and Ron reacting because we just happened to be recording when the news broke. So you get to see our actual live reactions to finding out that that trade was actually for Russell Westbrook. Uh, AJ from YouTube, do you think THT's body is too slim for him? So has he slimmed down too much? If you remember, THT was carrying a little bit too much weight on him. He had suffered an injury when he was a rookie. He had suffered an injury, couldn't train in the offseason, and he's progressively slimmed down. I don't think he's too slim. He naturally has just kind of a wide base, and he's pretty strong. I think that quickness is important for him. So I don't think he's he's slimmed down too much. We'll see what he looks like when he's out on the floor, but I don't think so. Uh, Robert Gonzalez from YouTube. Do you think Dwight will work on th- will shoot threes this season? He's been working on it. Uh, no, he's he's been working on it for years. Uh, it's always just been part of his routine. It's part of his shooting routine. He's always shot threes. If you go watch him in warmups, he shoots threes. Um, it's it's just part of what he does. That doesn't mean he's going to start shooting them in games anytime soon. He has knocked down a few in games, but it's not like it's not like he's suddenly going to be Brook Lopez, where he's shooting like five or six threes per game and he's a floor spacer. That's not where we're headed with Dwight Howard. That's not what he's going to do. It's just always been part of his routine. Uh, Trent Andrews sent the super chat with no comment, but thank you. Appreciate the super chat there. Uh, Dwight or DeAndre to start at center. I don't know. That's I think that's going to be one of the camp battles to watch. So training camp is starting up in just a few weeks. I believe it starts the 28th. Yeah, it's the 28th. The training camp starts up. And that's going to be one of the battles to watch is the center battle. Who wins out? Is it Jordan? Is it Dwight Howard? Dwight's got experience coming off the bench for the Lakers, for Frank Vogel. Does that matter? Um, be interesting to watch. Does AD just start at the five? And then what happens at the two? Who wins that job? Is it Wayne Ellington? Is it Kent Bazemore, which I've been saying? Is it, um, could it be Malik Monk? Has his defense improved to the point where he can get in there? That's my biggest concern, by the way, with, with Malik Monk, is defensively, he was really not good. Very talented scorer, but really not good defensively. I think he's going to need to improve there in order for Frank Vogel not to go crazy, <laughs> putting him on the floor. You know Frank Vogel thinks defense, first, second, third, fourth, it's it's everything on his priority list is defense. And so Malik Monk, if he's going to be on the floor for Vogel, he's got to get his defense up to an acceptable level. But if he can, he's got the talent to potentially start. So I'm curious to see what happens with the two-guard spot as well. Stuart Fisher from Facebook. So now our Lakers have two roster spots left. Who should the Lakers go after? Uh, Stuart, you are correct that they do have two. 14 and 15 numbers on the spot on the squad. But remember, they are not going to fill the 15th roster spot until midway through the season. They're going to leave that open based on everything we've heard. And just from crunching the numbers myself, the math makes so much. I mean, they will literally save even once they sign somebody midway through the season, they're probably going to save seven or $8 million just by not signing that 15th roster spot right now and waiting to add somebody until the buyout market, assuming they would sign somebody and then have to waive them and then bring in another player off the buyout market. It makes a lot of sense to leave that 15th spot open. So the 14th spot though, yeah, there's a lot of options out there. Maybe it's Boogie. 
I still think James Ennis is probably the guy that I'd look to. Uh, Tina Gman said prayers to Cedric Sabalos. Get well. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Prayers up through Cedric Sabalos uh, battling COVID. We saw, I, I think we all saw the, uh, the picture of him in the hospital. Hopefully uh, he gets well soon. Uh, DGFX from YouTube said, Trevor, thanks for all you do. Thank you. Appreciate, appreciate that. Um, I'm very, very fortunate to get to do what I do and get to talk Lakers basketball with all of you and get to, to run the YouTube channel here and break down everything post game and, and all that sort of stuff. So, uh, I'm very lucky, but I also work very hard at this. And so I appreciate that. Uh, let's see. Andres Montoya from YouTube. Trevor, do you think we'll have some issues with some players being unhappy with playing time? like last year. So Andres, I don't think so. And I think the makeup of this team was built not just on talent, but specifically for guys that will, and you've heard this phrase before, be a star in their role, whatever that role is. You've got guys that are far enough into their careers to where they're not worried about their next contract. They've made their money. They're worried about one thing, winning a championship. And so they're going to be willing, more willing to do less if that's what the situation calls for, to sit if that's what the situation calls for. If it's done in order to win, they're going to be okay with it. That's what we saw with the title team. And I think that's what we're going to see again with this year's squad. Whereas last year you had some guys who had the goal of getting another big contract. I don't think you have that on this team, at least not from the key pieces that they brought in. Uh, German Arias from YouTube uh, with the super chat. Thank you. Do you feel like the media makes too much of an issue in regards to the Lakers' age? They do forget that they are pro athletes. Um, No, I don't think it's too much. I mean, look, there's no denying it. It's it's the oldest team in the NBA by a lot. Um, There's no denying that this is a very veteran-heavy roster, and with that comes inherent risk. Look, I can tell you guys, it just, your body just responds differently when you get older. It takes longer to recover. You're more sore than you were when you were 23 or 24 or something like that. Uh, you also know more, like you know more tricks and things like that that can help you get by, but uh, it's going to be a factor for the Lakers this season. That said, is it something that is insurmountable that just, oh my gosh, this is the worst roster ever? I don't think so. I don't think this was a terrible plan. If you look at what Rob Polinka had at his disposal, right? Once he pulled the Westbrook trade, and remember, their goal for a long time has been three stars. So they get three stars. From there, Rob Polinka had the taxpayer mid-level of about $5.5 million to spend and veteran minimums. That's it to round out the whole rest of your roster. And look at the team he put together. Can we really complain? Hey, they're older guys, but look at the talent on the roster. With veteran minimums, Rob Polinka built this team with $5 million and change and a bunch of veteran minimum deals. I'm not going to complain that they're in their 30s. Steve Sanchez, how soon do we have to fill the 14th roster spot? Within a few days before the start of the season. So I'm talking October 19th start of the season, not start of preseason, we're probably looking at October 16th or so that they have to have that, that 14th rupture spot filled. So it might not happen tomorrow, right? They've got some time to figure this out. 
if they want. I I think they're probably going to want to add that have that spot filled before preseason games start so they can get whoever comes in some reps, but they don't have to. Trent Andrew from YouTube. Do you think the players who come here shoot worse because of the special lighting at Staples Center? Because we always shoot better on the road. It's a theory I read. Um, I have not looked into that, so I don't know. I haven't looked at the home and away splits in terms of their three-point shooting. If there was a very clear delineation, like a very clear, hey, they shoot 37% on the road and 32% at home or something like that, then maybe we could start buying into the lighting thing. But again, I have not looked at that, but that's something I'll, I'll look into at some point. Uh, somebody said, what about Isaiah Thomas? So the Lakers, they could have brought in IT, but they chose Rondo. They made the choice to get Rondo instead. So I think the ship has sailed on Isaiah Thomas. They're not going to bring him in. Uh, RD2A from YouTube said, congrats on 10K on the other channel. Thank you. Appreciate it. That's, that's 10,000 subscribers over on the NBA front office channel, which again has only been in existence for a short period. So we appreciate that. Keith and I have a lot of plans for that channel. And that's been a lot of fun breaking down the entire NBA and digging into the salary cap and all that kind of stuff with, uh, with Keith. Uh, Joe Robinson, will Rondo wear number nine from Baysmore? I, I honestly don't know. I don't know who's going to wear what number or anything like that. Aside from, you know, of course, I'm, you know, LeBron's wearing six. Anthony Davis is staying uh, with his number with three. Other than that, I don't pay too much attention into who gets what number. We'll, we'll see. Um, I'm not too worried if Rondo gets nine or if Bazemore gets nine, whatever. Uh, let's see. Somebody said, isn't the reality that the Lakers don't have playing time for another player with all the guys on the roster already? I mean, yes and no, right? Like, can you have a rotation of 14 players? If you look at the roster and say everybody deserves minutes, no, a 14-player rotation doesn't work. You can't do that. Is everybody going to pan out? No. There's some pieces that aren't going to fit. Maybe some guys that are older, it's going to turn out they really drop off, and then they're not part of the rotation. Okay, so we need to keep that in mind. But also remember that there's going to be injuries, that there's going to be load management, there's going to be games off. So that's where I think the depth will, will matter. But I don't think you're in a situation where you just say, gosh, you know, we've got we've got 13 guys right now and they all deserve minutes. Let's just bring in a young kid that isn't going to want to play any minutes for the 14th roster spot. I don't even worry about skill set. Let's just get somebody to develop for the future and that's it. I don't think you do that if you're the Lakers. I think that you bring in somebody that can compete for minutes, that can compete for a playing spot. Now, you want to make sure that it's very clear, though, that there's no guarantee on minutes and anybody who is not playing is expected to still be locked into the team culture and what they're doing. And I think that's what they've done so far, but no, I don't think they're in a spot where they just say, you know what? We've got too many guys already who deserve minutes. We're not going to worry about getting somebody who can really help at 14. Uh, somebody asked, when is training camp going to start September 28th? Uh, Avi B from YouTube. If Ben Simmons gets traded to the Blazers, Warriors, or another team, is there a chance 
any team could leapfrog the Lakers. I don't think so. Uh, if it's the Warriors, sure, because the Warriors have that top-end talent. Obviously, they're not going to be trading Steph, Clay, Draymond. You add Ben Simmons to that. In theory, if Clay comes back and is healthy, sure, the Warriors might have the talent level to do that, but that's not what I'd be predicting, but maybe. Um, otherwise, I, d- I don't think Ben Simmons like tilts the balance of power that much anywhere I, I still think he's a talented player i think a lot of people are are too down on him or too low on what he can do on the floor he's still very impressive um, but i don't think that he shifts the balance of power unless he goes to the warriors and everything clicks and clay is healthy then maybe the warriors jump up right maybe but again that's i'm talking about everything works out perfectly for golden state and they make a move to get simmons and he fits in perfectly Okay, then then maybe. That's the only scenario where I could see that being the case. Uh, RV14 said, Hey, Trev, I've been bringing past, uh, binging past Lakers games lately. What do you think are the best games to rewatch from last season? Just to help me wait and watch. Oh, man, the best games from last season. Um, I would focus on the early season games because they actually had pretty good chemistry early on. The late season games got pretty frustrating. I will say there was a great game against the Brooklyn Nets where the Lakers were missing a bunch of guys and still demolished the Nets. That was a really fun one, and that was later in the season. But otherwise, the early season games were good. There were a few games early on where they were a little bit too close to for comfort. Like I remember some close games with the Grizzlies. There was a loss to the Detroit Pistons. There were like three games in a row against bad teams where they went into single and then double overtime. I think it was double overtime in all three. So there's some landmines out there in the last season schedule for sure. But some of the early season games, I think, is where we saw really the potential of this team. There were some really nice plays. Yeah, somebody mentioned Lakers at Brooklyn. Yeah, that, that game where they were missing a bunch of guys and still blew up the Nets, that was very, very cool. That was a fun one. Let's see. Let's do a couple more. Oh, man, we're at an hour. I didn't even realize it. I just looked down and we're at an hour. Time flies when we're talking Lakers basketball. So much fun. But uh, so we'll do a couple more and then uh, then we'll call it an evening. Uh, Jerry Sanchez. Hey, Trevor, I'm late to the show. If you had to choose a game to spend good money on, which do you go to? I mean, if you've got the ability to do it, the Christmas Day matchup with the Nets would be a phenomenal one to go see. I mean, just think about the star power you're seeing in that game. LeBron, Westbrook, Anthony Davis, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Hart. I mean, you're talking about six all-time greats on the floor, plus a bunch of guys who are also all-time greats that are just past their prime. I mean, Carmelo Anthony, uh, Blake Griffin, LaMarcus Aldridge, right? You got all these, Rajon Rondo, you got all these other guys that you're going to see as well. Dwight Howard, gosh, the list just keeps going and going. That would be an incredible game to go see. So if you've got the means to do it, I mean, that's also going to be an extremely expensive game, but that would be a fun one. Other than that, I would love to go see Mavs against Lakers to see Luka versus LeBron to see how those two match up. I think that's a really fun game as well. Uh, what else is there that would be a good one to go see? I mean, just about every game is going to be exciting when it's a Lakers game. But in terms of matchups, I'd really be gunning for Lakers Celtics. Lakers Celtics is always there's always going to be that little bit of extra energy in the air 
when it's Lakers versus Celtics. So that would be another one to potentially target. Uh, Tom Odar from Facebook said, uh, this year's team's going to be so much fun to watch the Lakers. Yeah, and I, I hope so. I hope this is going to be a blast. I hope the injury bug stays away because that was what really took the wind out of our sails last season. I hope that this season winds up just being fun given what we went through last season. Uh, hey, Trevor, do you think Rondo can guard the star point guards? Maybe in the playoffs, if playoff Rondo shows up regular season, I think he's proven that he doesn't really have that gear to get to in the regular season. So I would say no, uh, he gets burned quite a bit. Maybe, fingers crossed, let's hope playoff Rondo rides again because he was great in the playoffs for the Lakers less than a year ago, uh, which he reminded everybody of in his introductory conference that it wasn't that long ago that he was really good in the playoffs. So maybe come playoff time, but I think regular season Rondo, probably not. Lakers versus Bulls is going to be nice. Yeah, somebody mentioned that. That's another good one. The Bulls are certainly going to be one of my must-watch teams. Does THT get playoff minutes this year? I think so. I mean, they paid him like he's going to. They paid THT like he's going to be a big part of this team. So he is... Look, I'm excited to see Russ. I'm excited to see all the guys back out there. But I am most excited to see Taylor Horton Tucker because I want to see what he's added to his game because he's got so much potential. I can't wait to see what has been added what his game looks like this season. And I think the Lakers have paid him as though he's going to be a big-time contributor. So I can't wait to see him. Uh, Christian Navarro, can they use Gasol's $10 million to get a new player? That is not how it works. It's not like the Lakers have an extra $10 million to now go spend. The Bus family saved $10 million, if you want to look at it that way. They saved money off of the luxury tax. It's not like they have $10 million in spending power in their pockets now to go burn on another player. That's not what they've got. They still, the most they can spend on anybody right now is a veteran minimum. And that's it. So they don't have $10 million to go spend now that they've done this deal. They just, as of right now, they're saving about $10 million in luxury tax payments. Uh, last one we'll do here. The Super Chat uh, FNS from YouTube said, LeBron off ball, AD at the five, Westbrook attacking, and better team three-point shooting. Lakers are beating Bucks and Nets when it matters most. I would love to see it. I would love to see it. When you've got AD at the five, you could space the floor. Westbrook's going to put a ton of pressure on the rim. That is the, that's the hope for the Lakers is that they're able to get that kind of an offensive system in place and make that work. And then defensively, if you can force turnovers, I think that's going to be key. Lakers last season, not good at forcing turnovers. If you can force more turnovers this season with this Lakers defense and you get Russ some opportunities to get out and run, their transition buckets, which, by the way, transition baskets, you score at a much higher percentage. I mean, duh, but you score them at a much high, much higher percentage than half court. Your points per possession go through the roof when you get into transition a lot. Transition basketball is much more valuable than half court basketball. So if you can force live ball turnovers, in particular with this Lakers team, with Russell Westbrook pu- pushing the pace, that could be the key to getting the offense up to the next level. Remember, offense and defense... They're linked. It's not two separate ends of the floor and, and the two things aren't related. No, they lead directly into each other and feed off of each other. So if the Lakers defensively can force turnovers, that's going to help their offense and that's going to help them win basketball games. All right, guys. Appreciate all of you joining me tonight. Again, for the time being, for the next few weeks, until this becomes a post-game show, once the preseason starts up, we're going to be going Tuesdays 
and Fridays because we've got NFL games that are conflicting with us now. So that way we can watch the games. We can all keep an eye on our fantasy teams. Tuesdays and Fridays, we'll be doing our live show. Again, appreciate you guys joining me. Make sure if you're not already subscribed to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel, you go ahead and do that. And of course, subscribe to the NBA Front Office Show as well. Again, truly appreciate all of you guys for joining me tonight and uh, letting me do what I do and, uh, and get to talk a little Lakers basketball with you. Till next time, stay safe and see you.